Hey guys. Hey everybody. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Chase. And this is Crime with a K. before we do the videos oh my god what's the con okay i sound like the girl from the incredible you sound like something <laughs> all right yeah this is it and then you'll get all video all video so i hope you guys are ready we actually just wrapped up our last video episode for the fab four yeah i know we're going back to back i know we are doing back to back but so i just want to preface this one isn't a long one today um one it's really hard to find information on this one and two I didn't want to do an overly long one because there's so much coming for you guys next week that I had to really focus, get everything ready. Yeah. So take it or leave it. Working three jobs right now. Yep. So. And go outside. Yeah. Us? Them. Not them. Yeah. Just oh. go outside. Just a quick happy Chase and go outside like, and enjoy the, the leaves. Chase is like, take a fresh day and week before you get a lot of true crime. Yeah. Because it's uh, beautiful outside. Yes. And I don't know where you are, but it's beautiful here. Yep. Leaves are changing. Pumpkin spice in the air. <laughs> Well, speaking of pumpkin spice, okay, let's do coffee of the day. Um, coffee of the day. I did a pumpkin spice caramel macchiato. Yep, he did. He got a coffee for today. He was actually the one that suggested we get coffees from Duncan. Yeah, well, because we like to go to that cast iron skillet place, and yeah. we did not want to spend the money on waffles, and we would have bought waffles if yeah. we went there. So we were like, let's just go get coffee. And then today, Chase was like, you know damn well if we go there to get coffee, you're going to get a waffle. Yeah, like, we're going to spend <laughs> a lot more money than we should, because, Kelsey, would you like to inform them on what you decided to do yesterday? <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. I'm a Maxinista, and the problem is I always ask Chase, I'm like, can we just go? Can we just take a little peek? And he's like, well, we do need one thing. So, like. We needed one thing. Yeah, he's like, we can go, but you need to be good. The one thing we needed was, like, $15. $260 later. But they just have such good stuff. Yeah, she likes to do that to herself, and I told her not to do it, and she don't listen to me. Yeah, it was really not good. No. But I just love TJ Maxx. She sure does. I need does. to stop going there. The one next to us is so good. They have like... They really are so good. It's the best TJ Maxx. Such good stuff. Like the shoes, Reebok, Nike, Converse, Vans. Crocs. They, like, yeah. They had Vans, jackets, men's jackets yesterday. Like The pillows are always, like throw pillows are always so nice. The candles are good. The guy's clothing is really good too. The makeup. They have Too Faced, NARS, MAC. Like the purses. They had Fendi yesterday. I'm like... Oh my god! I need to stop coming here. I didn't get a Fendi bag, but no, she had no, no, nope, nope, nope. But oh, my coffee of the day. Yes, my coffee of the day. Chase inspired me, so I also got a pumpkin spice iced macchiato, but I got almond milk and less pumpkin. Yeah, it was good, and it's really good. It's really good. It's making me a little jittery with the espresso, but that's okay. It's okay. We're all trying our hardest it's here. Okay, we're all just really getting by. Yeah. So jumping into today's case. So today's case, this is the case of Jessica Chambers. 
Jessica Chambers was born on February 2nd, 1995 in Clarksdale, Mississippi to her parents, Ben and Lisa Chambers. Jessica's parents wound up getting divorced a few years after she was born, but it was a pretty amicable divorce and they had a really good co-parenting relationship throughout Jessica's life. They even lived only a couple houses down from one another so that way Jessica could walk back and forth between their houses and not have to necessarily pick a parent growing up. Yeah, so I mean, if you're down the street, it seems like it's pretty pretty yeah. okay. Yeah. One of the detectives who worked this case described Jessica as extremely smart, charming, athletic, and everyone in the community really loved her. This is a very small town case, and even the detective who worked the case knew Jessica and her family and said that she was just a ray of sunshine that never caused any issue. Jessica had a lot of friends, she was a cheerleader, and she was really popular in school. Mm, okay, so thriving. Mm -hmm. Jessica's grandmother, Willie Burdain, remembered Jessica as a beaming star on top of her high school cheerleading squad's pyramid at the football games. Quote, when she was cheering, she knew she looked good. And when they threw her up, she was so light, you could just about had enough time to get you a hot dog before she would come back down. Wait, what? She was so light, you just about had enough time to go get you a hot dog before she'd come back down. Oh, because I thought you meant like you threw her a hot like, dog. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? That's what they do in Mississippi. Throws her up and throws a hot dog at her. They're like, you look hungry. Yeah, while she's up there just floating back down. Jessica's goal was to graduate high school and go to college to become a nurse. So she worked really hard to maintain high grades so she could go to her school of choice. But... Her dreams didn't seem to pan out the way that she had hoped that they would. Although Jessica had graduated from her high school with all A's and B's and recently had started a new job selling clothes at a goodies department store in Batesville, Mississippi, Jessica found herself newly a part of a very rough crowd. How did yep. that start? Jessica's ex-boyfriend, oh. Brian Rudd, told people, quote, I think she was making friends with the wrong people, with drug dealers. Mm. There's no information on how it happened yeah, how or why start? it happened. I think I think it happens how it always happens. You know, you meet one girl and maybe she's a cool girl and then she brings you to a party where there's some Well, maybe your new characters. job too. Yeah, like huh. it's typically an ease in. On Saturday, December 6, 2014 at 8 p.m., a 19-year-old teenage girl was found walking down the side of a Cortland, Mississippi road. She was only wearing her underwear and she was engulfed in flames. What? This was identified as 19-year-old Jessica Chambers. On fire. On fire. Jessica was rushed to Memphis Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, where she died the next day at Memphis Hospital. Cortland, Mississippi only has a population of 500, and Memphis is the next biggest town or city that could adequately treat Jessica, so that's why she was taken there. She was med-flighted. Detectives stated that Jessica Chambers had been soaked in fuel and gasoline while inside her car on a rural road in Cortland. She was then set on fire and left to wander throughout the roadside ditch before she was spotted by a passing car while she was stumbling about, engulfed in flames in only her underwear. What the hell? The motorist stopped and called 911. The medical examiner stated that Jessica had burns on over 98% of her body. There was a flammable liquid that had been poured not only all over her body, but up her nose and down her throat. Oh my God. Her cause of death was a result of her injuries from the liquid and flames and was noted on her death certificate as thermal injuries. That's insane. Okay. The fire that had engulfed Jessica was so hot that it had turned Jessica's black Kia Rio white. 
It completely incinerated all of her clothes, and it blinded her. My God. Jessica's father, Ben Chambers, said both Jessica and her car had been burning for at least 30 minutes before the fire department was able to reach them. Lisa Chambers said, quote, they told us she was like the walking dead. Ben Chambers then said, quote, this is beyond murder. This is a revengeful, hateful killing. Oh, yeah. Like, this is yep. psycho. Psycho. District Attorney John Champion stated that this attack was, quote, very, very personal. Someone meant to cause Jessica great pain. But no one knew who could have done this, because no one knew who had it out this badly for Jessica, especially to the point where they wanted her dead. Police began canvassing the area as well as they started to dig into who Jessica was and who she surrounded herself with. Police questioned not only Jessica's former boyfriends, but also convicted drug dealers who might have had a connection to her. Jessica had even expressed really big concerns that she'd had about all of her new friends, and she shared these concerns with her dad, who was currently working as a mechanic for the county sheriff's office. Ben Chambers told police, quote, The last six weeks before she died, she told me 10 or 15 times, everyone thinks I'm snitching because you work for the police. Mm. Okay, that's not a good start. No. In addition to this, police also had another clue to go off of. When first responders got to Jessica, as she was wandering the streets engulfed in flames, they heard her mumbling a name over and over again. The name sounded like either Eric or Derek. And police believed that this was a clue on who it was that had attacked her and ultimately murdered her. But this name came to a dead end. Jessica wasn't connected to anyone named Eric or Derek. And there was no one. There like weren't many Eric or Derek's in that town that had that name. Well, I'm going to assume if, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty small town. You'd think, you know. Yeah. Cortland's only 500. And I think the other one was like 11,000. The one she's from, mm -hmm. which is still small. Like it's still very yeah. small. Yeah. So there was also no one in her vicinity that had the name Eric and Derek. When police canvassed the area, Jessica's car keys were later found along a road near the crime scene. Her cell phone was taken in and it was examined by authorities in order to determine all of her movements on the day of her murder. And investigators later determined that Jessica had spent the morning with two friends. And then later, she went to her mother Lisa's house where she took a nap. Later on that afternoon, Jessica wound up leaving her mother's house after she received a text from someone. Jessica told Lisa that she was going to get something to eat and go clean out her car. Hmm. Okay. Then, at around 5.30 p.m., Jessica went to a gas station about a mile and a half from where her body was later found. This is the last time Jessica was seen alive. So, like, just a pretty typical... Teenage night. Yeah. Teenage day. Police also obtained the location data from Jessica's cell phone that showed that she went to a nearby town, Batesville, around 6 p.m., and then later returned to Cortland around 6.30 p.m. It's still unknown what Jessica was doing in Batesville. About 15 minutes later, Jessica called her mom, Lisa, who noticed that she was unusually quiet on the phone. When the two of them hung up at 7.30 p.m., Jessica drove to the area where she was found about a half hour later, engulfed in flames. Okay. Nearly everyone from these towns with the names Derek and Eric were continued to be questioned, but all of them were ruled out. Jessica's boyfriend at the time, Travis Sanford, was also questioned, but he was ruled out because he was in jail at the time of her attack. Oh, okay. He was busy. Yeah, a little preoccupied. Yeah. Okay. Authorities explored whether he could have thought Jessica was unfaithful and put a hit out on her because he was like, maybe she's cheating on me. Well, I'm in Possibly. Jail. But his grief was really genuine. That investigator said that it just didn't seem plausible. And it's like, there's like, 
that's the grief you have that much grief over a teenager that you burn her alive mm-hmm. then when investigators started to pawn through jessica's phone they connected her to a 27 year old man named quentin tellis quentin tellis was a local gang member who was from Cortland, mississippi oh my gosh she really did get in with the wrong rough people crowd, yeah. quick Quentin Tellis caught investigators' attention because he was with Jessica earlier on the day that she was murdered, and this was according to both witness testimony and her cell phone pings. But when initially asked about this, Quentin lied about it multiple times. Not good. Yeah. And finally, he admitted to it. Initially, police thought that maybe this was a gang hit, that for some reason Jessica became the target of gang violence in the area. But the Panola County gangs all came forward, and each of them denounced Jessica's murder and stated that none of them had any sort of problems That's with Jessica. That's so funny. Yep. Yeah, yeah. As a gang, we have not. Okay. I found that kind of strange because I'm like, if they're coming forward, can't you arrest them? Right. Like, I would feel like, wait. Okay. But you're still doing, you're still gang doing member illegal. Stuff, you're right? still doing gang things. So we can't As have that As the gang either. leader here, yeah. I am telling you it wasn't us. Like, no, Same no, with no. Us. We didn't kill her. We killed those four yeah, people, we're and we're doing stuff. these drugs and selling this. Like, maybe, yeah. like, can we not do that? Yeah, I don't know. That seems a bit odd, but okay. Like, <laughs> the police are like, no, they came forward. They're good. I'm like, no, they're well, good. They're good. They're just gang members. They're yeah, fine. Okay. Okay. So after several different story changes, Quentin ultimately told investigators that he had slept with Jessica once, allegedly only a few weeks before her murder, and described the area where he said it had taken place. He claimed that he had begged her for sex while inside of her car, which oh was God. parked along Heron Road in Cortland, so that same area. Now, police had learned the night Jessica was attacked, both Jessica and Quentin's cell phones pinged in that same area, that area where her car was found. Okay. And he begged her for sex. When Jessica's car had been found, the passenger seat was laid all the way back, which Quentin had described when he said that he was begging her for sex. So this indicated that there was a request or a proposal of sex. That's gross. Yeah. According to court testimony, Quentin had been begging Jessica for sex, and Jessica had blown him off and said no several times. And at the same time, Quentin said that Jessica would ask him for money or to go buy her some food. Oh my God, so he's a bum. Yeah. Okay, good. A bum. The two had only known each other roughly two weeks at the time. Oh my God. For this time. When initially questioned by police, Quentin said that he was with, quote, Big Mike Sanford on the night that Jessica was killed, which was December 6, 2014. Okay. Well, Big Mike told investigators and testified that he was not with Quentin that night, but he was in Nashville at a Tennessee Titans game. No. Big Mike is betting on sports. He's not hanging out with you, Quentin. Yeah. And with some young girl in the back of the car. Okay. Phone records and receipts showed that Big Mike was being truthful. He had taken that trip in the vehicle that Quentin had described as the one that they had allegedly ridden in together on the night of December 6, 2014. Oh, good. Only Quentin was not in that vehicle as that vehicle and Big Mike were headed to a football game in Nashville. Yeah, so it was just lying over over and over. Cortland police really thought and they wanted to believe that Quentin Tellis was their guy. But when authorities accused Quentin Tellis of Jessica's murder in 2016 and wanted to indict him... They discovered that Quentin was already in jail. I'm not surprised. Quentin Tellis was charged with the unlawful use of a credit card belonging to a college student who had been stabbed to death in Louisiana in August of 2015. Oh, wow. Lovely. Okay. Yep. Quentin Tellis was then indicted in Mississippi in February of 2016 for a capital murder charge for Jessica Chambers. 
The indictment came as he was sitting in a jail cell in Washita Parish, Louisiana. Quentin was in jail for the burglary and fraud crimes connected to Meng Chen Xiao, a Taiwanese national who was found tortured to death in her apartment in 2015. Quentin also had prior convictions for burglary, drug possession, and fleeing from police. So stand-up guy. Stand-up guy. Yeah. Quentin Tellis had pled guilty to three counts of unauthorized credit card use and possession of marijuana. He was sentenced to serve 10 years for stealing Meng Chen Xiao's debit card on the night of the murder. And Quentin Tellis was charged with the murder of Jessica Chambers, and then he went to trial in October of 2017. The prosecution brought in some pretty strong evidence against him. The prosecution had some seemingly incriminating texts and voicemails from Quentin to Jessica. Oh, lovely. And District Attorney John Champion and then ADA Jay Hale brought forward surveillance video evidence of Quentin Tellis in the gas station the night Jessica had been attacked. When Quentin was told of Jessica's death, he didn't really have any sort of reaction. Like, that's just a big tell. Do people not think, like, I'm going to murder somebody, and when somebody tells me about it, I'm just going to stare blankly. Like, Or the fact that you're going to send a bunch of these, like, voicemails, right. and you're going to act like no one's no going to be able to hear them. to find you. The prosecution argued that this was really strange, and the, especially the fact that they had just spent time together earlier that day, and then she wound up dead, and he's just not And he's based. lied multiple times yeah. about being with her, talking to her, like... Yep. The then Department of Justice analyst, Paul Roulette, took the stand, and together with the prosecution, they confirmed that Quentin Tellis had deleted Jessica's texts and contact information from his phone. When questioned about this, Quentin Tellis had told investigators that he didn't see any reason to keep her in his phone if she was already dead. Quote, so he erased her from his life. Huh. I mean, normally if I was with someone like that and then they just burned to life, I probably wouldn't just, first thing I'm doing is, I'm going to delete you out of my life. I'm tired of you. How could you let this happen? Right? I guess we're done here. Like, my God. No. Prosecutors then argued that Quentin Tellis strangled Jessica after they had sex and then started the fire because he believed that she was already dead from strangulation. Then there were the car keys. Jessica's car keys became critical evidence in this trial. According to a statement that a man named Jerry King gave to the police, Jerry found the keys in a small ditch off the side of the road while walking down Main Street with his daughter in a stroller in Cortland, Mississippi. The ditch was about a quarter mile from the crime scene where Jessica Chambers was found walking towards first responders. And Jerry King told the police that he noticed a pink rope with a set of keys attached, and he picked them up. He also noted that a keychain read, quote, Ben's Auto and Diesel Repair that was attached to it. This connected the keys to Jessica's father, Ben Chambers, because that's where Ben worked. The keys had multiple keychains, including the, quote, Ben's auto and diesel repair tag, mm-hmm. and other key fobs, including a dye, a pink hand sanitizer bottle, a footprint with an embossed word of a religious sentiment, and lastly, the keys to Jessica's Kia Rio that, were, that was found burning. Hmm. A photo of that car, her Kia Rio, was shown to jurors in its burned, rusty, and white condition at the Panola County impound lot. Mm, okay. Jerry King said that he found the keys two days after Jessica Chambers died, and that his girlfriend noticed the auto repair key fob tying it to Ben. He also testified that he gave them to his toddler daughter to play with as they were heading home. Jerry, that's literally evidence. That is not a rattle. Yeah, and like... Also, that's like a safety hazard if your kid like chokes on a key, but okay. Chase being a good father. I'm like, what? (laughs) Why would you do that? All right. This statement he gave in court was different from a statement that he had given to police as the written statement. Why? 
I don't know. This is like small town madness. Right. Jerry King was a little iffy to the jury because he had multiple prior offenses, including a DUI. Does everyone in this town just get in trouble? <laughs> it's nothing I to mean, do. My God. Yeah. Y'all are just so bored. So you're going to join gangs and drink and drive. Including a DUI, resisting and obstructing arrest and grand larceny. And at the station, Jerry told the police that he had put the keys at the bottom of the stroller and went home. But in his dictated statement to the police, Jerry King said that Mary Turner, his girlfriend, had called an agent to turn over the keys. According yeah. to Jerry King's testimony, he thought the keys might be valuable because of their, quote, shininess and decided to pick them up and take them home. How much money can you get for car keys? None. Because I, I, I was thinking, like, people lose their car keys all the time. And I'm like, Is, are people I can make money off pawning of them? What? <laughs> Like, that's what I'm saying. The cops here in this town have to just have an awful job. Like, you got four gangs and you got everyone else running amok. My <laughs> goodness. Deputy Tyler Mills, who had initially collected the keys as evidence, was also called to the stand and stated that Jerry King's girlfriend called him after Jerry had found the keys. Deputy Mills testified that he went to Jerry King's home and then returned to the scene with Jerry. Jerry placed the keys approximately where, approximately where he found them, and Deputy Mills then photographed the keys on the ground. <sighs> Those photos that Deputy Mills took were then shown to the jury. Okay. Then, on cross-examination, the defense pointed out that Deputy Mills was part of the Sheriff's Department's narcotics team, and he had never collected evidence in a homicide before, and this was his first time doing so. The defense challenged how Deputy Mills handled the keys and his reliance on Jerry King's recollection of when and where the keys were found. The lead investigator for the Panola County Sheriff's Office Department, Major Barry Thompson, testified right before the jury took a field trip to the relevant locations of the keys. I don't think that they should call it a field trip. Yeah, everybody, let's pack it. Everyone have a lunch. Everybody All right. Get on the bus. Yeah, did, did you get your parental signed like form? <laughs> I'm like, why did they call it that? Field trip. Major Thompson told jurors that Jerry King had mentioned the keys were found off the road in a gully or a ditch, pointing out to the jury where Jerry King had been living at the time of the murder. He did this by pointing out the location on a map of the town that was in the courtroom for the jury to see. Then, in this cross-examination, defense attorney Alton Peterson asked Major Thompson how he knew that the keys were really found in that gully. And Major Thompson admitted that he only knew where they were based off of Jerry King's testimony. He also stated that they took photographs of where Jerry King indicated he found the keys, even though Jerry had admitted that he moved them before calling the sheriff's department. Oh, that's okay. So they brought the evidence back yeah, to just like, photograph it like they initially found the, it there. Oh, yeah, we found it here. Yep. Then the prosecution alleged that they found evidence of Quentin Tellis's DNA on the car keys. When tested, there was actually a mixture of four male DNA profiles on the keys. Oh, my gosh. Three remain unidentified, and the fourth doesn't confirm Quentin, but it doesn't exclude him either. Quentin well, Tell yeah, there's three more. Right. Quentin Tellis does admit that he drove Jessica's car some days prior to her death when he had to drive her to the doctor's for an appointment. The keys put even more reasonable doubt into the jury's mind because there's a lot of different DNA found on them and the police had moved them here, there, and everywhere to take photographs to make it more cut and dry. It was also shared with the jury that after her trip to the gas station, Jessica was discovered by firefighters who responded to a call of a burning vehicle on Heron Road in Cortland. They got there and they began their usual operation of extinguishing the car fire and all of a sudden, a young woman came walking out from the woods towards their direction. 
That must have been unbelievable. Wearing only her underwear, and she was burned beyond recognition, still on fire. She said to to then Fire Chief Cole Haley, quote, help me. Oh. Multiple firefighters testified that they asked her, who did this to you? And that she replied either Eric or Derek. How all of them had time to talk to her as her considerable airway That's what burns. I'm saying. Like, how is she speaking? It actually closed her throat, her lips, and her tongue. And her tongue had already been burned off oh, because God. of the gasoline and that was poured in there and the inhaling gasoline fueled fire and fumes. It's unclear how they could have spoken to her. Right. Like, that makes no sense. In the ambulance, another first responder asked, quote, did Eric do this to you? And according to court testimony, she replied with what sounded like no. But she can't speak. A doctor would later testify that there was no way Jessica could have made any accurately distinguishable words at that point. So the mystery of the word Eric or Derek could have meant to be anything. Yeah, there's just no clear answer. But it is interesting how they all heard it at different times. Well, it could just be the way she's moaning. Right. Like in pain. Yeah. (laughs) Jessica's parents shared with the court that her dad and stepmom were willing were pulling up to the hospital as the helicopter landed with Jessica inside. Early the next morning, her mother, Lisa, sat with Jessica and told her that it was okay if it was too hard to keep fighting and if she needed to let go. Jessica died only a couple minutes later. Oh, that's brutal. That's so sad. Because they yeah. say that actually does help. help. But like this woman like was burned to a crisp. Oh, yeah. Like, that's just so sad. 98% of her body was burned beyond recognition defense attorneys darla palmer and alton peterson really honed in on the eric and derek testimony that was given by first responders like why well it's the defense i know so they're they're no it's the defense they're fighting for quentin so they're honing in on the eric and derek i know but it's still just like that's so bad like she didn't actually say it yeah but they're saying she did so the defense is going to take that of like run with it darla palmer even ended her closing arguments by saying quote eric isn't on trial here today, but he should be. The trial resulted in a hung jury, so the case was dismissed for the first go, and in 2018, the prosecution brought the case to court again. This time, they added in an expert witness to talk about Jessica's airway burns that she had gotten in the car, and they also brought a witness who said she picked Quentin Tellis up that night and gave him a ride, but he seemed extremely nervous and very sweaty. Huh. But unfortunately... The jury hung again. Jeez almighty. Eric and Derek played a really big part in the case, and a jury found reasonable doubt because of it. And prosecutors say they don't know if they'll bring the case to court again, because they don't really have much more evidence to try Quentin again for Jessica's murder. After the second mistrial in the Jessica Chambers case, Quentin Tellis was returned to Louisiana to stand trial in the 2015 stabbing of Meng Chen Shao. Quentin Tellis pled guilty in 2016 to illegally using Ming's debit card and was sentenced to 10 years as a habitual offender. Louisiana 4th Judicial District Court Judge Larry Jefferson dismissed the indictment against Quentin Tellis in early November on the basis of information that the state of Mississippi wanted Quentin Tellis to serve the five-year sentence for charges relating to the death of Jessica Chambers. So this guy's like getting off easy. He's like getting off and being bounced around. Yeah, like this is annoying. The Second Circuit Court of Appeal will decide whether or not Quentin Tellis will stand trial following his sentence in Mississippi. And according to the Mississippi Department of Corrections website, Quentin Tellis is tentatively scheduled to be released from prison on October 16th, 2027. Lisa Doherty died October 29th, 2021, never knowing whether there would be justice for her daughter. 
Jessica's boyfriend, Travis Sanford, was killed in a dice game in March of 2019. A dice game? Yeah. Got, dude, they really have nothing going on in that town. I know. The Mississippi Bureau of Investigations, Tim Douglas, one of the lead investigators on the case, had retired at this point. And ATF agent Scott Meadows, who was another lead in the investigation, has been transferred out of the state of Mississippi. Hale now works for the United States Attorney's Office, and Rolette is working for the Department of Defense, which is also out of state. Then-Sheriff Dennis Darby was beaten in the last election, and his detectives have largely retired or gone on to other agencies. And Jerry King, who found Jessica's car keys, was killed July 28th when his ATV was rear-rendered by a Tallahatchie County deputy. Oh, my God. I know. Like, the really, there this is town. just nothing in this town that seems to go well. No, this is like a movie town. Yeah, or like, what is that show? Uh, Mad Mags. Yeah. This means that all the originals who worked on Jessica's case or were witnesses in Jessica's case have retired, been transferred, or passed away. Some say new eyes on Jessica's case could be what it takes to bring closure one day, but for now, her case remains unsolved. If convicted of Jessica's murder, Quentin will face life in prison without parole, but Quentin does continue to maintain his innocence. If Quentin Tellis is tried and convicted in Louisiana for Ming's murder, and the prosecution decides to try him for a third time for the Jessica Chambers murder, Quentin Tellis would then be brought to Mississippi to stand trial. If Quentin Tellis was convicted in Jessica's Chambers' death and Ming Shao's death, it would be up to the judge in Mississippi to decide if the sentences should run consecutively or concurrently. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Yeah. But, like... When asked if they thought that Quentin would ever be found guilty in Jessica's case, the prosecution said, quote, I don't predict that. That's up to a jury to decide. And I feel very confident in our case. So, before we go, talk a little bit about Ming Chen Shao's murder. So she was an international graduate at the University of Louisiana in Monroe in 2015. Her body was found at her apartment on August 8th, 2015. And police believe that she, at the time she was 34 years old, they believe that she had been tortured and stabbed to death more than 30 times. My God. The reason for this was because the perpetrator was forcing her to reveal her PIN number for her debit card. Police found her body 10 days later when a neighbor called about inactivity at her apartment when she was a frequent flyer, so she was constantly in and out and they hadn't seen anything. Quentin Tellis has not been indicted by a Louisiana jury in connection with Ming Chao's death. but He just happened to have her the credit card. card. Yeah. But circumstantial mm. evidence does link him to a crime, to that crime. He was caught using Ming Chao's debit cards after her murder, and police obtained cell phone and ATM data that say places him at the scene. So that's really, that's it. Like, that's all we have. He definitely did both. I think he did both. I mean, are you, like, how are you going to be, he literally admits to you that he was with her the night that she died. He's admitting to you that he begged her for sex, and then all of a sudden she's burned. You're telling me two women both wind up dead. And horribly, this guy's horribly. Horribly murdered. Horribly murdered. And this guy's at the scene of both, but he just happens to be there by chance. Like, no. And then he just happens to have her debit card. Yeah. And then he happens to lie about everything. Then say he's with Big Mike. That never happened. Well, and then he admits in the first one, he's like, well, yeah, I, I wanted sex. Okay. So when she didn't give it to you, then what probably happens? like when Ming Xiao didn't give you her debit card number. Or what it, I was also thinking maybe he raped her. And then to... Jessica? Sh- yeah. Oh, yeah. I was and then to that. like try and cover, cover it up, up, he burned her. Because the belief is that sh- she was strangled. He thought she was dead, and then he was setting the car on fire as if, like, oh, no, her car just happened to burn in flames, and she would just be so incinerated that you wouldn't be able to tell she was strangled. 
but she wasn't actually all the way dead. She was just unconscious. So I horrific way to go. Like that's so gross. No, this guy's a piece of crap. And the fact that he still hasn't been convicted. I know. I have a feeling because right now he's in jail. He's in jail until 2027. My feeling is that Mississippi and Louisiana are in cahoots to get him for both. You hope. Because like my thing is, and I know it's not the firefighter's fault, but it's like, guys, if you guys didn't say any of that, this would have been, this could have been cut and dry. And now, but now they're using the Eric Eric or Derek. I but, know. but if you say her tongue is burnt off and her I lips know. are sealed, how the hell is she speaking? I, I feel like her body's just burning to a crisp and she has no idea what's going on. She's in shock. Yeah. She's and you're going to rely on her sealed mouth that right. she ended up saying Derek or Eric. How does that make any sense? Yeah. Close your mouth and go, mm. Mm-hmm. Say Eric with your mouth closed. Mm. Mm. That doesn't sound like <laughs> Eric to me. No, because you wouldn't be able to open your lips. Mm. Mm. I'm saying Eric and Derek. That doesn't sound like anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like mm-hmm. Yeah, you only know what I'm saying because you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But if you walked up to me and said that, I'd be like, what? You see, I would hear mm-hmm. That's it. I would say, I would assume it would be help me. Yeah, help me. Or something. Or just she's in Cause pain. Because it's two-syllable. Like, two, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know how they thought that. It's interesting, too, because this is one of the most popular unsolved murders but there's really no because like, i think it's cut and dry and for yeah. some reason the fact that the firefighter said these two names but has changed it it changes it because when you're a jury you're assigned to find no reasonable like i can convict this person without any reasonable doubt they legally like they probably know this guy did it but they have to legally look at it as like well these 10 firefighters well, you said it's a hung jury so you yeah, know they're going back and forth they're going in back there. and forth and these 10 firefighters or however many came forward and said, we heard Eric and Derek. That's a reasonable doubt. They have to take that now. I know. It's and the judge so is going to direct them like, you have to take that into consideration. Like, is that a doubt? Yeah, Does I'm, that put a doubt in this case for I, this guy? I have no doubt it was Quentin. How <laughs> well, about you're that? You're not on the jury. Well, I should have been. Because <laughs> I think it's Quentin cut and dry. I think that's yeah. just so easy. I know. Hopefully it's 100% they, him in yeah. both cases. Hopefully they work to get him. Yeah, hopefully we get that piece of crap off the streets because, like, he's going to do it again if he already hasn't. Yeah, he'll do it again. He'll be back in jail for something else. Yeah, that town seems lawless. Yeah. <laughs> and then that Jeremy guy just happens to get murdered by a cop. I know, rear-rended. Yeah, but on an ATV. Like, that's pretty wild. Where is an ATV and a cop just meets probably up, rides it through town. Right, and cop just hit him. Yeah. But. Well. Don't go there. I'm sorry this episode was shorter. Just we just got a lot, a lot going on, and we're trying to get the podcast up yeah. for the YouTube. So yeah, and didn't I wanted to give you guys something. And this one, there really wasn't a lot of information. I scoured for like three whole days looking for more. Well, yeah, and go. Know. Yeah, we'll keep you updated on it though. Yeah. Hopefully, in the next well, hopefully in five years we'll yeah. get, or th- four years we'll give you some update. I know. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at. Crime with a gay. If you want to send us a gay, so you can send a door. Crime with a gay at gmail.com. And other than that, we will see you soon. We'll see you on video. Yeah, well, so, you'll see us yeah. on video. We'll put the link to the YouTube in the notes below, but we'll see you next week. Yes, yes, yes. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye bye.